All right, and welcome back to That's Some Cheese, part of the Vendetta Sports Podcast Network. Today is Monday, March 15th, 2021, and we have two guests, but a very special guest, Jeff Nadu, the expert on college basketball and our expert on college basketball, Carl Heiser. Guys, what's going on? How are you guys? Doing well, guys. Good to be back on. Carl, all you guys, good to see you. Yeah, so we're going to do some NCAA bracket stuff. I guess I can just kind of start with this. Back in the day, the bracket was like my prized possession. If someone mugged me, I think I'd rather give up my wallet than my bracket. I'm not like that anymore. I'm kind of just like out of it. So this is a good chance for me to really dive into it, see what I'm going to learn here, and then sort of fill out my bracket tomorrow, Or I guess. Are you like that? Are you a big bracket guy? Like you just hold on to your bracket, take it everywhere? Uh, I, I wouldn't say that I'm like that anymore. I mean, when I was younger, you know, when I was you know, in my early teens and even before then, uh, you know, I think one of the first sports I, I fell in love with was college basketball. And I, I talked about that on Twitter the other day. I, my grandpa was a big college basketball fan. I remember we would always cut the bracket out of the paper and we would fill it in each year. But, um, you know, now as I get, get into gambling and stuff, like I don't, you know, I, I do a pool and I have a, like a, a, something I host and I get people involved, but no, it's not as important to me as it was just because, you know, I have gambling, now. but uh, yeah, I think it's cool. I definitely fill one out. Um, you know, I always, someday before I die, I would love to try to get one right. Uh, I don't think it's not really ever happened, but why can't I, why can't I be the first, you know? Carl, you carry your bracket around? I don't, I don't like carry it around, but I'm, I guess I'm, I'm pretty defensive over some of my picks. I will say that um, this, I mean, this month for me is going to be crazy with March Madness. Like, um, yeah, it's kind of just like adding another class <laughs> to my, to my course load pretty much. So yeah, if you ever get angry, like when the, the kids that don't know anything get like great brackets, does that drive you nuts? Just like the kids that hop right in and they're like, hey, I'm 22 or 24 uh, out of nowhere. Well, I mean, <laughs> I've had that experience where it's like a woman generally. Like yeah. Someone that doesn't know anything. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is, you know. But it just shows you that bracket picking is really kind of, you know, idiot game. Anybody can do it. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I guess it also shows that numbers are kind of idiotic in a way where, like, at the end of the day, with picking a game straight up, you know, sometimes it doesn't really matter. So, yeah, I think brackets are cool, though, too, because you can make mistakes and it's not going to, you know, kill you really. As long as your final four is intact, you, you kind of are, are in, in business. I think sometimes people worry way too much about picking a perfect bracket when at the end of the day, an 8 9 matchup really doesn't matter a whole hell of a lot because they're usually going to lose in the next round to a one seed anyway. So, yeah, I, I'm. I, I, it definitely annoys me. I, I think what annoys me most is like these goofs on Twitter that they don't watch basketball until fucking March 1st. And all of a sudden <laughs> I see them, they're talking to me about Grand Canyon and, and, and North Texas. You know? So yeah, I, you know, I, I think that's irritating, but that's another story. Before I dive too far into the bracket, I do have to ask this. I'm sure I'm on the Island of this one, but I sort of, <laughs> I'm not even a real fan, but I, I am a Duke fan just because everyone hates them. What happened to them this year? Like, this is embarrassing to the point where they're like, oh, we're not going to go to the tournament. They weren't going to go anyway. I'm, I'm like embarrassed for them. 
I think they um they had kind of made it clear from the beginning, and you know Carl's a big bass fan. I think he probably saw it as well. I mean, I don't. It, it was pretty clear, you know, when they canceled the Gardner Webb game that they didn't seem like they really wanted to play. I made the case that I didn't care if there was a coronavirus. I didn't think they were very good regardless. I don't think it would have mattered. Yeah. At the end of the day, I just didn't think they had much talent. I mean, Jalen Johnson is a a player that'll do well at the next level, but his heart was never really in it. Um, I, I think this is just one of those years where Duke, you know, sadly, or I don't think it's really sad, but they're not getting, you know, top 10 players really anymore. You know, those guys are going to, uh, you know, Michigan or, or you know, Auburn or, or Oklahoma State or whatever. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting how they're not really on the top of the draft class anymore. But when you look at next year's class, I mean, they have two top 15 players coming in, one top three players. So, you know, it was just one of those years for Duke. But I think we all know that if Zion Williamson and, and Barrett and, and and those players were on this team, they'd have they'd have found a way to, to play as hard as they could and they would be in the tournament. So yeah. We have Jeff Nadu joining the show. Make sure to follow him on Twitter. Jeff Nadu, exactly how it sounds. I'll link this in the bio for the post. We have our guy Carl Heiser. Carl Heiser seventeen on Twitter, right? Yeah, that's right. And uh, all day, AJ27 in the booth, myself, Trey Daubert. Um, one of the things I want to know every single year, because I was a wrestler my whole life, and we had this little tournament regionals, we would always show up with not great records because we always went to these competitive tournaments. And we would we would wrestle these teams outside the region. They're like 25 and 0, but they were really just frauds. Like They just sucked every single year. I want to know maybe a team that has bad record, but they're dangerous. And a team that has a really good record where they kind of stink. They're really unproven. Yeah, I you know, I I guess I'll take this question for I mean, as far as a team that I think is a lot of people think is really good that I think has some issues, you know, I mean, I mean to be honest, I think Illinois has has concerns. Like I know they've played really well lately, but you know, when I look at the Sumo, he's terrific and, and Cobran is as well, but I've continued to say all year that I don't know, like if, if the supporting cast needs to play well for like four or five games in a row. And I have some concerns about that. I mean, this isn't, you're not playing Northwestern and, and, and Michigan state and teams like that. Um, you know, th- these are big, bad teams. And, and outside of the first round, you're going to have to bring your a game. You're going to have to have everyone contribute. And if you don't get that, you know, there's auxiliary players like Curbelo or, or, or Frazier, players like that to step up. I don't know if Coburn and DeSumo scoring 22 and 24 is going to be enough for you to win a game. So, yeah, I think Illinois is kind of a team that, you know, they're a one seed, sure. They played really well, but I think they're the one seed just because no one else was really willing to take it, you know. We saw all year that once Michigan established that they were the third best team, no one really else – We could, up until a week and a half ago – or two weeks ago, I don't know if we knew who the fourth one seed was. So, you know, I, I think I think Illinois has is is a beatable team. They're not going to lose in round one. They'll beat Drexel, but um, you know, I, I think from then on, I think it's it's kind of a question mark. I do want to ask you about that because two years ago I had Loyola Chicago in the Elite Eight. I just kind of looked at their team and like, wow, they're actually pretty good. Is that possible again? Can they make a sort of run? Because if Illinois is susceptible to lose here, that could be a great position for Loyola Chicago. 
Yeah, well, I, th- I think, and I think that's where it's going to be. Um, you know, and, and, and look, if you follow me, you know, I've been, I have a 300 to one ticket on Loyola. I'm very high on them. Uh, it's the biggest ticket I've ever had that, that I think can actually do something. Um, you know, Loyola is the best defensive team in this tournament. You know, it's that simple. You know, and they have a kid in, in Krotwig who I, I saw the fan base at Illinois, you know, was kind of downplaying him as a player, but they're going to have to recognize pretty quick that, you know, he isn't just some lackey, you know, he, he's a really good basketball player. He's a four-year starter. He's a guy that's had a lot of, of experience. I remember as a freshman, he did some really good things against Grant Williams and guys like that in the NCAA tournament, took him all the way to the final four. Um, they have really good guards and Lucas Williamson, a wing defender that they have. I think he could do some great things against the Sumo. So I think they are vulnerable and on. I think Loyola's, not the team I want to see in the second round. I know that that the Illinois fan base can downplay it all they want, that they're the little you know, sisters of, of, of Illinois or whatever. But at the end of the day, they, they better recognize pretty quick that they're actually really good. And, and they're going to have an issue if they take them lightly. How about a team with a bad record that's maybe dangerous? One that, I don't know, they play in a tough conference or they've had some bad injury luck or something that can make a run. You got one, Carl? Um, I, well... I've been looking at this uh, Georgetown, Colorado game um, solely because Georgetown is is really on a heater right now. They weren't going to get a bid before they won the Big East tournament. Um, And Patrick Ewing has figured something out with this team. And they're playing a Colorado team that was really up and down in a weak Pac-12 conference. Um, So that's, you know, looking at Georgetown's, you know, regular season record and all that might not impress you very much but they're actually i think in a pretty good matchup i think it fits they could win a game it definitely fits the question i i am in belief that it's a it actually a pretty bad matchup for them just because you know georgetown is very reliant on you know sometimes for them the missed shot is, is isn't the worst thing in the world because they are really an, an elite offensive rebounding team I and mean, they're one of the best offensive rebounding teams left in this tournament but but colorado is really physically imposing they're big they're physical um, you know, they're going to defensive rebound really hard and, and they're going to limit those possessions. I, I just think for, for Georgetown, the problem that they have here is this is like eight days since they won that tournament. You know, they, they, they want to just, if, if I'm Ewing, I want to play today or Tuesday. Yeah. You know, I, I want to get out and, and get that momentum and use it. But I, I have a weird feeling that the luck kind of runs out for them and you know, maybe they cover and the game's closed, but Colorado's got a kid, McKinley Wright, who is um, kind of a guy that I think can, you know, kind of become a darling. And and I have a feeling Colorado could be a team that, you know, maybe finds their way um, to, you know, the, the, the Sweet 16. And we kind of say, wow, how did how did Colorado get here? Um, you know, I remember when they lost to Oregon State, but uh, Colorado does one thing that a lot of teams don't do. They close games out because they make free throws. And that's why I'd be incredibly, it'd be incredibly dangerous to, if you like Georgetown, to take them at getting four and a half, five points because Colorado is not going to miss free throws. I know they did in the Oregon State game, but they're not going to do it likely all the time or ever. So, you know, that's, a, that's an interesting one. One team that barely got in that, that I think is kind of dangerous is Utah State. You know, they're fully healthy now. They had some injury issues with, uh, a guy, Raleigh Worcester, who uh, is a freshman, but he became kind of a kind of the de facto point guard for them. And, you know, without him, they struggle. But they have a kid, Nemish Kata, who it was a matchup nightmare really against everybody. 
Um, yeah, they have a, a pretty decent record, but they were kind of a bubble team. Really good defensive group. You know, solid offense, offensively, they rebound on both ends, and they're well coached. So, and I think Utah State, it wouldn't surprise me if if they knock off Texas Tech and then, you know, kind of go on one of those little runs where, you know, maybe they beat an Arkansas or, or, or they surprise somebody. So, you know, keep an eye out on bubble uh, Utah State. We've seen time and time again how important coaching is, especially with this tournament. Uh, Tom Izzo has made tons of runs in the tournament. We know how great Mark Few is. There's a bunch of good coaches. Who is a coach that maybe you're like, he doesn't get enough credit, but he's sort of up and coming and could make a run to where everyone knows his name two weeks from now? Uh, wow. Um, you know, weirdly enough, uh, there's a team in a play-in game. Uh, Dustin Kearns down at Appalachian State is, I mean, he, he's going to have a big job real soon. Um, he's, he's an elite coach. I don't know if, you know, they may lose to Norfolk state, but you know, he's a guy that, you know, he took that program over. Um, they were 11 and 21, I believe the, the year he took them over from, uh, from Jim Fox. I mean, the next year they were, you know, 18 and 15, they, they won a game in the Sunbelt tournament. And now they're in the NCAA tournament. So, you know, he, he's a, a guy that maybe could, you know, he's going to win a game You know, I obviously they're not going to beat a, a one seed, but, He's a really good coach. A coach that could actually make a difference. Uh, wow. I mean, there's so many great coaches in the country. I mean, I always talk about Chris Beard. I'll tell you one that I love, Grant McCaslin in North Texas. You know, I think you can make a strong case that North Texas is a top five defensive team in this tournament. Um, they are suffocating. Every, every kid has a role in the defense. I mean, they are – they just believe. And – you know, I don't know if you guys saw the game against West Kentucky. Call you may have where, like, going into the final minute of play in that game, they had nine points in the second half. Nine. They were three for 28 in the field. They had no business going to overtime. They found a way. They, 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 they reinvigorated and found a way to win the game. That's coaching. That's getting your team to buy in. And, you know, I thought it was incredible. He's a great coach. He, he could beat Purdue and – and they could go on a little run. So, yeah, there's a lot of great coaches out there. And, and I will pick teams based on coaches a lot. Yeah, I was going to ask, do you have any weird bracket strategies? I know I sort of just – I, I got to make sure to have at least 112. And another thing I do is I sort of look at the rosters. I'm like, how many seniors do they got? How many juniors do they got? Do you have any weird bracket strategies where maybe your brain tells you this team should win, but something that you do bracket-wise that you'll, you'll pick something else? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the experience metric. I mean, c c uh, continuity and, and experience is huge. You know, you look at a team that has, you know, some of those metrics. You know, a team like Missouri, you know, they're top 11 in both continuity and experience. Continuity is basically also – obviously experience is how many kids you have that are juniors and seniors and whatnot, but continuity is a minute – a minute's continuity where how much of those players actually played together. So from year to year – how much continuity do they have? Yeah, that's really important. I mean, I I don't want to back teams that don't have that, don't have those metrics. You know, a team a team like UCLA, they have the the, the shortest amount, you know, one of the shortest amounts of experience in the, the tournament. So, you know, that's not exactly ideal. So yeah, I definitely look at that kind of stuff. But every matchup's different. You know, it's really for me just about the schematic uh, matchup where you know does offense A can they score against off uh, defense A? Like a defense B score against defense A, you know, and, and whatnot. So that's more important to me. But yeah, I mean, I definitely want teams that are experienced and have cohesion. They're generally ones that go deep into the practice.
Carl, you have any weird bracket strategies? I know you're a big Ken Palm guy. You referenced that at like three times a day. Yeah, I'm I'm more <laughs> so the thing with Ken Palm and metrics like that is they're they're really helpful for sort of like bigger samples and looking at like a wide swath of teams and how they compare to each other. But at the end of the day, like for a bracket, you're you're going one on one. Like you being, you know, twentieth and adjusted defensive efficiency and somebody else being 39th like might it doesn't really matter for one game as much <laughs> it's really just kind of looking at their body of work and stuff and that's kind of where i start evaluating teams um but for me i don't i don't really have any super like weird strategies um i guess just for myself when i'm looking at potential upsets i look for like a clear path okay like how is this team is there a conceivable way that this team could win this game because there have been teams that I've overlooked that have made me, you know, look really stupid. And then there are, you know, other teams. I think my proudest bracket moment was picking like a 14th seeded Stephen F. Austin in 2016 to beat West Virginia. I was really happy with that one. But then there are other teams where I just was like, yeah, there's no way they're beating this, you know, power five team. And then they get to the sweet 16 and make me look stupid. So that's such a astute point. And, and I, I think, you know, I, when I talked to Carl the first time, I could tell he knew what he was talking about. And, you know, he, that, that's a really well said point because you have to look for that stuff. And one of the reasons that I, I want to know about every team is because in times like these, I want to be able to spot that stuff right away. And, you know, clear like this year, Florida state has a horrible matchup against Greensburg. If you look at Florida State, their one issue is they do not have a defined point guard. They just have a bunch of tweeners that can't necessarily handle the point guard role. And the, the point guards that they have assigned to that position have wildly high turnover rates. Yeah. And Greensboro, the team they're playing, is very pressure-driven. I mean, Isaiah Miller and, and, and some of their guys are really just ball hawks, man. I mean, they're going to get up in your grill and they're going to – they're going to make it difficult for you. So, so finding those issues and, and just kind of little wrinkles that can bother a team. I got a lot of flack on Twitter because I said that I thought Grand Canyon was a team that could beat Iowa. I, I, do I think it'll happen? Probably not. But I know Grand Canyon has three kids that are seven foot or almost seven foot. And they're good, solid players. I mean, you know, Ashton Midgard played at Wichita State for three seasons. You know, he banged with some really good you know, AAC players, some bigs, you know? So when I look at, you know, Garza, I don't know that Luca Garza wants to bang with guys like that. So I think, I think Carl makes a good point in, in kind of assigning and finding those, those issues in matchups. I want to ask, ask you about something you actually brought up because in the years past, I remember LaSalle went on a, a run <laughs> and they played all their games in Philly, right? Or they played sort of outside Philly. I forget what year that was. Is, is it more chalk this year with the lack of fans? Like, does that make a difference? Does, do you think that helps the, the bigger school teams? You know, it's funny you mentioned um, that, uh, that, those, that, that team, that, that LaSalle team, because they did play I, – I want to say they did play a game or two in Philly or, or close to it. I yeah. forget exactly where it was. But they had a kid, uh, Tyreek Garland, uh, and I remember him to this day because I still follow him. Um, he had a patented shot in that game against Old Miss, against Marshall Henderson, Old Miss. It was the Southwest Philly floater, he called it. Um, and to this day, that guy still sells merchandise that say Southwest Philly floater on it. 
like he he created like a brand off of it. So yeah, I mean, you know, you find little wrinkles and little teams like that that you know can go on runs and can you know you can just find kind of a wrinkle. So yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this story, but what was the original question? With the lack of fans, is it harder oh, right. for an upset? That's going to be tough because I don't think a guy like Garland or or, or the Lasalle team. I don't know if they have. You know, the fans kind of made a difference. There'll be fans there, but yeah, I think it definitely affected games. There were games from Wisconsin where I feel like this year, if they'd had a fan base at, at Cole Center, I, I think they, they maybe could have won a game or two that they didn't win. So, yeah, it'll definitely be a different wrinkle, but I think teams are kind of used to it now. Um, you'll definitely have fans, and, and they have made differences. I mean, you, you see in, you know, if you have 5,000 fans, it can make a difference if they're loud enough. I hope they find ways to get the bands in there. Um, I think that can make a big difference because the bands are kind of what you hear. And that that's almost like a real element to college basketball. So I hope they make their way in. Yeah. I sort of want to dive into each section of the bracket and then we can kind of get takeaways with that again. Once again, make sure to follow Jeff Nadu on Twitter. He's joining the show. Uh, big thanks to him for coming on Carl Heiser 17 on Twitter and uh, our producer, Alex, who edits the show. Uh, he's a big help as well. West bracket. Is there a upset that sort of stands out to you? Maybe an impact player that can kind of change the outcome of a game? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, now that, um, you know, Oregon's fully healthy, you know, a guy like Chris Duarte, I think it could, could be kind of the next Dylan Brooks type of player there. Uh, they've had obviously Peyton Pritchard, they had Dylan Brooks, they've had you know, Chris Boucher. They've had guys that are, that are kind of, they become, you know, kind of names and, I think Duarte could be it. I think he's really an interesting player. Um, you know, he had some games where he was out. Um, you know, it's from Dominican Republic. I, I don't think he's played basketball for very long as far as I know, but he really does a lot of things well. And, and Oregon's a team that's finally healthy. Um, I think defensively they're really good. And you know, they're a team that I think can can make some noise. Um, so, so they'd be a team I'd have my eye on. But this is Gonzaga's world. We're all just living in it. I think um, I would be – extremely surprised if they don't get to the final four I, I think you know when you look at their bracket the top three seeds outside of gonzaga virginia iowa and kansas gonzaga's already beaten by double digits all of them so yeah i want to ask that because it, it's one thing for gonzaga to win is it a smart bet like will they cover the spread are they going to be that dominant uh yeah i mean i'd be hard pressed to think that they won't be i think they're light years better than everyone else I think it's going to take a monumental effort to beat them. Um, yeah, you look at even like a BYU who, you know, BYU literally in that game, the second game, couldn't miss in the first half. And Gonzaga just wore them down and wore them down and wore them down. Uh, yeah, I, I I mean, they have guys that would be starters on other teams that are backups for them. So um, I think if they have one knock, it would be their depth. They don't have a ton of depth, but, um, you know, they always find a way to get through it and, and that's what Mark's, Mark's built there. And I'll tell you right now, guys, they're not going anywhere because they're going to get the number one player in the country, Chet Holmgren, to go to Gonzaga. So yeah, they're not he's, going. He's anywhere. going. He's yeah, going there. They're not going anywhere. So yeah, they're, they're they're incredible. I don't think we realized what Gonzaga was before a few got. There. How did he build this? I, I mean, they, Gonzaga was literally like, like, uh, you know, they were nothing. Yeah, they were like. Uh, <laughs> you know, Rio Grande Valley, like that's what they were. And he comes in and just now they're a national power and they're, they're the best team possibly in the last 10 years in, in college basketball. So 
Yeah, Few's the best coach in the country. And if you want to argue with me, I'll go toe-to-toe for five, six, seven, 12 <laughs> rounds. I don't care. I don't want to hear – if you come to me and say Mike Krzyzewski is a better coach than Mark Few, get off the fucking Quaaludes. How good's the Mobley kid at uh, USC? Can he make a run by himself? Yeah, he's good. I, th- I think if, if – you know, Oregon and USC, I think, are the biggest concerns if you're Gonzaga. Mobley and, and his brother are, are very dynamic. Um, you know, they, I think, athletically are, are – you know, they always get good athletes out there. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think Mobley's really good. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a, a top 10 pick. So, yeah, I, I think USC is interesting. They have some kids that I think are kind of dynamic too. You know, Taj Eady, the, the transfer from, from Santa Clara, he's had a good season for them. Drew Peterson, uh, the Rice transfer, he's played really well. Uh, Andy Enfield, you know, it seems like he has nine lives. He continues to kind of remain at, at USC. Remember, he was at Gulf Coast for a lot of years. Um, you know, he, he's turned them in. They're just a really good team on both ends. It wouldn't surprise me if they give Gonzaga a game. Yeah, our guy Chad had uh, Florida Gulf Coast a couple of years ago making a run. I couldn't believe it. That was in Philly. <laughs> that was in Philly, I remember. The Georgetown. It was wild. Game. Yeah. That Dunk City game where they just they had tons of dunks. It was. I remember, you know, you want to hear a weird story, guys? Yeah. Story. I, I, I kid you not. I lived in South Philly at the time. Can I swear on me? I can't. Hell yeah. Okay, I was Go fucking, for it. I was fucking this girl, right, that lived on 2nd Street. I lived on 13th Street, different neighborhoods. I used to pick her up at Argon Diner. It was a, a diner in South Philly. Mobsters would get stabbed in the restaurant all the time. It was a crazy place. And I remember I was listening to that fucking game on the radio, Dunk City, and I couldn't believe what I was hearing because it was literally three minutes away. The stadium was, like, in my fucking landscape. I could hear it. I was so close. Um and I remember I had sex with that girl in the car after the game in the parking lot at Oregon Diner. Uh, but I, I always vividly remember that story because I was in the parking lot of Oregon Diner and Dunk City just erupted. And then I they, remember they had a weird headband guy. He used to get so hyped. I, I swear they won like two games just based on him. Yeah, Brett Comer, I believe. Yeah, that's that was who it was. Yeah. Weird headband guy. He was just yeah. going nuts. Yeah, that was uh, what to say. It was 24. 20- I was in college, maybe. I think. I think it was 2013. Yeah, 2013. It was they beat Georgetown and then they beat San Diego State and then they lost to someone else. But yeah, that's what got Andy Enfield hired at USC. Florida Gulf Coast, they bring back the the memories in a good way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now Enfield's doing his thing out in uh, out in at, at USC. Carl, you got anything on the West bracket? Anything that sort of stands out? Uh, yeah, actually. So the, the game, the, the upset pick that I've been, the more I look at it, the more I like it is, uh, Ohio over Virginia. Um, Ohio's got a really special point guard in Jason Preston. He went toe to toe with Io Desunmu early in the year and they almost beat Illinois. Um, the game after that, they won by, I don't know, 50 something points against Cleveland state. Who's a 15 seed. So they're like probably better than a 13 seed would suggest. Um, they're, they have a top 30 offense. Um, and Virginia is really not as good as we're probably accustomed to seeing. I mean, my first reaction when I saw that, that draw was, you know, Oh, Virginia, Tony Bennett, like this is, you know, just pick them and move on. But then I kind of started thinking about it and, 
Virginia is last in the country out of everyone in uh, like tempo, like possessions per game. Um, I think there's a pretty clear, oh, plus they're on a COVID pause. So we don't know who's even going to be healthy for this game. Like who are they? We don't know if they'll have everybody for this game. Um, so I think there's a pretty clear scenario in which, you know, Jason Preston and the Ohio Bobcats can beat Virginia and maybe win a game after that and get to the Sweet 16. Um, you know, we've seen 13 seeds. Do it. We've seen Ohio do it before. So um, that's kind of one. That's one area where I'm. I'm definitely interested. Uh, I know. I know. Last time you guys recorded, you actually had a differing opinion on Missouri, right? Carl, you're you're sort of anti-Missouri. Are you still on that? Uh, I'm. I'm still. Yeah, I'm still low on them. I mean, it's just like. It's tough because I mean, if they were even like a seven, you know, I could give them some credit to maybe go on a run. But if they, even if they win their first game, they're playing Gonzaga, so it it almost doesn't matter if I think they're good anymore, <laughs> like they're because their matchup is going to be a disaster. So yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like Oklahoma, Missouri, the game means nothing because they're not going to be Gonzaga. It's it's probably the most pointless matchup in the entire tournament because it is a coin flip game. I'd slightly give the edge to Missouri, but, you know, it doesn't really matter. I do want to circle back on your point on Virginia. Um, I think one thing that I'll point out, and again, I, I'm not a psychic. I don't know exactly per se, but from what I understand, they have one player that has coronavirus or he's coming off coronavirus. We don't know who that player is. Now, this could work one of two ways. It could be a very important player, a VIP, and we don't know if we were going to see that player. It could be the last guy on the bench that doesn't mean anything and everybody's good to go. My concern for Ohio is Virginia is probably the most complex team to deal with, arguably, in the country on both sides of the ball because their offense is maddening. They take so much time. They're going to literally get the best shot they can. And I've watched Ohio almost exclusively in their conference tournament. I was betting against them from a team total standpoint for the other team. They do not stop anyone at the rim. They are shockingly bad at the rim. Like, they will give you anything. And if, if I'm Virginia, I say, well, well, not so fast. You're not running with us. It's not going to happen. And I think Kaihi Clark, he's not a better player than Preston. Preston is LaMelo ball-like, but I'm going to tell you right now, what means something to me is Clark has improved significantly as a defender, and I worry about him just locking Preston down. If he does that, where do you go if, if you're Ohio? I don't hate taking points just because Virginia only has so many possessions in a game, and we've seen them struggle to cover numbers, but, you know, another coach that I think is elite is Bennett, and – Bennett's had a lot of time to know what was going to go on here. So, but then again, it could be maybe Jack uh, or Jay Huff has coronavirus, which would be a huge loss. So, you know, we don't know. It's a tough game to repair for. I want to move to the East bracket, but first let me shout out the handles for the show. That's some cheese minus the E for the Twitter underscore. That's some cheese for Instagram. And we have a TikTok account. Alex, uh, what's that one? The following is brought to you in partnership by Symbol. 
Symbol is a new sports marketplace where you can trade shares of professional teams like stocks. You love sports. You interested in fantasy sports without the weekly annoyance of fantasy league upkeep? Then Symbol's the app for you. With Symbol, fantasy sports is going to a whole other level. How it works is simple. You buy Symbol shares for your favorite Sim teams on the app. When your Sim team wins, you get automatic cash deposits and you don't lose any money when they lose. That's it. So if you follow trends across football, basketball, and baseball, and you think your team is a sleeper, simply invest in your favorite sim teams on Symbol and watch your virtual portfolio prove you right or wrong. And if you want to get in on the action right away, Vendetta Sports Media's got you covered. Go to symbol.app forward slash Vendetta and use our exclusive promo code Vendetta and you'll get a $10 bonus when making your first deposit. Symbol. Taking fantasy sports to a whole other level. Yeah, so the TikTok is literally just your name, Trey Daubert. Okay. We're doing right. some cool things on there, getting some more yeah, content on uh, there. Alex is running that, so make sure to follow that too. He runs all the clips for the show. Yeah, we're having a lot of fun over there. <laughs> Let's move to the East bracket. It seems like Michigan's sort of the cutesy pick. They want to – it's the be different guy. Uh, let's Let's go against the crowd. Let's pick Michigan instead of or Gonzaga or Baylor. Are they real? Can they actually hang? Well, I, I think, you know, a week and a half ago, yeah, they, they were very real. Um, but, you know, when you lose a guy to the caliber of livers, uh, I have some real concerns. You know, the problem that they have is, you know, they have some good depth, but it's depth. It's it. I don't necessarily want Brandon Johns in a game for 34 minutes. I don't – you know, Shawnee Brown is a great defender, but – I mean, he, he doesn't, you know, he's not a great shooter. He doesn't really do a lot of things well offensively. He's not consistent. Losing a guy like Livers hurts, man. I mean, he's a guy that can one-on-one get a shot for you. He can create off the dribble. He does so many different things. Um, I think without Livers, I think they're a very vulnerable one seed. I think they could be the most vulnerable one seed we've seen probably since, you know, Virginia when they lost to UMBC. They'll beat um, – uh, you know, the winner of, of App State Norfolk, I'd imagine. But I, I, I don't think they're going to beat the winner of LSU Bonaventure. And I think it's LSU. LSU's tough. I LSU think they had a conference tournament, too. Yeah, they did. They're really talented. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think Livers is coming back either. I think in reading through the tea leaves, I think it's pretty clear that he ain't going to come back anytime soon. And by the time he's eligible to come back, they're going to be out of this tournament. So uh, we'll see if Dickinson can carry them. You know, they need to get a, a start, you know, star performances out of Brown and Johns and those kind of guys. I Carl, think, I, go ahead. Real quick, I think LSU, the way you look at them is, I think you take a shot on LSU to get to the Final Four. You can get it right now at 18-1 to 1 at FanDuel right now. If they can beat Michigan – you know, by the time you get to the Elite Eight, they have some pretty a decent road. You can hedge out of it and make a good profit. LSU's got a pretty good run. They've got a vulnerable one seed in front of them as well. Carl, I know you mentioned you were high on St. Bonaventure. Is that like Dunzo because they're playing LSU? Uh, it's not. It's not Dunzo. Like it's a it's a fun matchup just because LSU's got such a good offense and St. Bonaventure's pretty good on the defensive side. So it's it's fun from that standpoint. Um, but after watching LSU just trading shots with Alabama in the SEC championship game, I kind of just threw all that out the window and just kind of went with LSU. Um, 
and I think, yeah, I mean, the loss, the loss of livers for uh, Michigan is, I mean, it's huge for LSU. It's huge for Florida state. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, that's definitely, you know, a factor that can't be understated. And um, I would agree that I think Michigan is probably the most vulnerable one seed um, in this, in this bracket for sure. Is Patrick Ewing back? Uh, for a couple more days. <laughs> I, I think, you know, it, it, whether Patrick Ewing wins or not, it, it doesn't matter. Patrick Ewing has done an incredible job at Georgetown. Uh, he has taken the reins from, to me, probably the best coach in the history of this sport uh, in John Thompson and then John Thompson's son. Uh, I don't think people quite realize what Georgetown was last year coming into the year what they were and where they are now and they literally were stripped of all their good players and they had criminal issues last year with players and it just it was a mess and Patrick Ewing has worked through I mean that was dispatching what they did to Creighton um I, I think whatever they've done it, it's impressive I don't think Colorado is a good matchup for them but um it wouldn't surprise me if they win. What I was trying to think the other day, who's the last good NBA player to come from Georgetown? Is it like Otto Porter? Uh, it's yeah. been a while. Probably like Roy Hibbert or Otto <laughs> Porter, yeah. yeah. I mean, but you, you look back in the 90s, I mean, Alonzo Mourning yeah. and Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson, yeah. I mean, people just don't realize, like, without people like John Thompson, we, we would not have – Allen Iverson would have never happened we would never have had him in the NBA. He wouldn't have gotten an opportunity. John Thompson was the one guy that did it. And, and Ewing is turn, turning into, I'm going to be the next you know, heir to the throne there. And it's a great university. I hope Georgetown's back because it's better for basketball than they are. Yeah, I'm a big DC guy. So uh, if Georgetown is back, it would be great. It really would in the Big East. And maybe they're getting there. You know, this is going to want to make – if if I'm a, if if I have a son that's playing basketball and he's a junior in high school or a senior in high school, I don't know if there's a school I'd rather go to right now than Georgetown. It's a great school. It's a great area. It's a good a lot of history in Washington as we know, and you're gonna play for an NBA guy that that that, that is just terrific. He's great. We gotta call up the girl from the diner and see if she's got one. <laughs> good point. She might buy now. <laughs> That's a couple years ago. Carl, I know you're a big Maryland guy. Are you a believer? No, we're screwed. We're <laughs> so screwed. Oh, my gosh, dude. Uh, I, I've i listened with being a Maryland fan. I said this on the show yesterday. There's a lot of self-loathing that comes with that. Um, and it comes to the point where you just can't even pick your own team. I I trust Turgeon in March about as far as I can throw him. Um James Booknight is just a beast for UConn. Um, I mean, we have Daryl Morsell, who's a really good on-ball defender, but I just – I don't know. I really don't know. I, I can see a way for Maryland to win this game, but I thought of all the seven seeds, this was probably the one I wanted to play the least. I was I was really hoping we got Clemson because if I think if you gave us another shot at Clemson, we, we would have won. Clemson's really fallen off in a big way. But – I don't – I'm not optimistic. We, we've we played Seton Hall like the last couple of years, lost to them. Our track record against the Big East has not been promising. So, um, yeah, not not super excited. 
And then, I mean, if they win, they get to play Alabama, which fine. Like we'll lose then. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it will not be a long tournament for the Maryland Terrapins. I can tell you that. Moving on to the South bracket, is Baylor on the same tier as Gonzaga? Like, there's just no way they lose. Uh, I don't think. I don't think personally. I don't think they are. No, I mean they'll win their first two games. Um, I think Purdue could give them an interesting game. I- I've been pretty high on Purdue for a while. You know, when you look at Purdue, they don't have a Carson Edwards. But Jaden Ivey, the freshman, is is getting there, man. He's a really good player. He's the son of a coach. His mother is the head coach at Notre Dame. She's, she's terrific. She's recently been hired. You know, good basketball family. The kid can play. He's a great point guard. Um, they have some really good wing defenders that I think are key in on the guard that Baylor have. And Baylor, if they have any issue or deficiency, it's in the front court. They're not real deep. Um, I think Trevion Williams and this Z- Zach Eady kid, seven foot four. Uh, behemoth, uh, he, he, their matchup nightmares. And Matt Painter is always a great coach. So I don't don't think that Baylor can't lose to Purdue. I think I think Purdue is interesting. Obviously Texas Tech's in there as well, and you know the emergence of of, of Arkansas. But no, I, I don't think Baylor's unbeatable. I think Purdue could give them a real game. This bracket to me is the most confusing one. North Carolina, Wisconsin, there's a lot of big time programs in there. Purdue, Texas, Texas kind of on the rise. Uh, what's what's the chance the toothpaste brand can win? Colgate. Uh, zero. <laughs> zero. They've yeah, played that's, five. They played five unique opponents this year. Now, Arkansas oh is a terrible matchup for them. It, it just it, it's almost kind of like I've, I've used this comparison recently with this game. It reminds me of like the Friday Night Lights movie where, you know, Permian was good, you know, and they had their own kind of level that they were good at. And they walk out to the Astrodome and they see that Dallas Carter team. And it's like, I mean, they're just way bigger, way more physical. And, you know, Colgate might hang around for a little bit. And then Arkansas is just going to say, you know what? We have better athletes. We're going to score at Whale here. I mean, Auburn last year destroyed Colgate. I think Auburn scored 95 or 92 or something. Uh, Arkansas is going to do something similar. Carl, what do you got on this bracket? This this one to me was the most confusing. Yeah, I, I would agree that the Baylor's definitely not unbeatable. Um, they've since they kind of had their little little COVID pause and towards the back half of the season. They haven't been as good on defense, and they haven't been as good shooting the ball from the three-point line, um, which are two things that really made them elite. I mean, even if they're even if they're a fraction of that, they're still like really, really good. Um, and I, I mean, I don't. It's not out of the question that they get out of the region, but I mean, yeah, Purdue will give them problems. Ohio State, if they get to face Ohio State, will give them problems. Uh, yeah, Arkansas is not a team you really want to face right now um so yeah i mean i think they'll i think they'll win their f- first couple games but after that it's not out of the question to see them lose um i mean this bracket for me is i don't know i mean it, it is a confusing one but at this i i guess i just dealt with that by kind of going chalk with it for the most part um i don't i mean maybe a lot of people like winthrop over villanova because, I mean, Villanova really doesn't have a point guard right now. Um, and, I mean, Winthrop has a pretty good one. And they've kind of been a pot, like a trendy pick 
for most of the season to win a game or two. Um, but yeah, I don't. How important is that Gillespie injury? Like, could they really lose here? Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's important. They haven't they haven't looked anywhere close to the same without him. I mean, I think they're they've been running like the other Archie Diacono kid, right? Yeah, and they just haven't looked great. So. Yeah, it's definitely not not having him is. I mean, he's he's as important a plug team as you'll find i mean he's the floor general he's the guy that you know gets everything in motion i think they still probably beat winthrop winthrop's not very good defensively and i don't really know anyone on winthrop that'll stop robinson earl i think chris argiviacano might be good enough for one game but i i don't you know villanova just you know like michigan just bad luck i mean you lose a guy like gillespie it's it's like losing you know i remember like with the sixers in 2001 when they had iverson they lose iverson you're just there's not the same team. I mean, they've got some good players, but you can't pick up for that one guy. And Gillespie is the point guard. So it's like losing, uh, you know, if, if you have, you know, it's just like losing any important person to something. It's tough. Yeah. I, I would say, like, I mean, Jay Wright's a good coach. I mean, he's done a, a great job with that program, but we have not seen a successful Villanova team without a good point guard. It, it's kind of like it, it's kind of like equating it to this podcast right now. If if the producer leaves, this show's done. Pretty simply. <laughs> that's a that's a big clout for Alex. He's a Philly guy too. You guys would get along. My guy, yeah. No, I mean he's right, but he's he's right. So you know where the Oregon Diner is? Do you know where the Oregon Diner is? No, I'm outside of Philly. I'm in like outside I'm in media, but he's a Widener kid. Not too far away. Okay, yeah. Widener. Chester, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I mean, like it's like that. You know, losing any important person to a to a to a group is, is hurts. You know, you can lose a player on some teams, but you know they don't have a lot of depth as it is. And one of Jay Wright's issues has been he has failed miserably at getting big recruiting talent and getting it to work at Villanova. They they failed. Quinterly, Brian Antoine, all these different guys. Jay is not. Jay needs to stay in Philadelphia. We recruit city kids and. You know, the kids in media and Pensbury and Huntington Valley and Lansdowne, get those kids. Don't don't worry about kids in New York and Chicago. They don't work out. They haven't worked out here. He needs to take the really good four stars, create them like he did with, you know, you know, Scotty Reynolds and Nardi and, and Archie Diakon. Those are the kind of guys that he flirts. Robinson Earl's a Kansas guy, isn't he? That's weird. I yeah, I mean, he's worked out. I mean, they've yeah. had bigs that have worked out, but you know. From a guard standpoint, stick with kids from this area. It's worth- Lowry's still in the league. I don't know. He's not a necessarily a Philly guy, but that was a huge one. Lowry? Yeah. Oh, Lowry's from Lehigh Avenue. He's a Philly guy. Is he? Oh, yeah. He doesn't always Why did I think he was New York? He didn't always rep it. No, he's from 26 in Lehigh. He's, hmm. he's a North Philly guy. Huh. Definitely. All right, moving on to the Midwest bracket. This is another one where could Cunningham just take over? Could he just go on a run by himself? No. no? I mean, he, I, I don't know. I think he's like – he's obviously better than Ben Simmons was at LSU, and he got his team at the tournament. They're significantly a better team, but I don't know. I think Oklahoma State is is, is got kind of – I mean, they'll beat Liberty. The Liberty's tough. I think Tennessee will be tough as well. I could see Oklahoma State – I could see it. I could see him making a bit of a run. I mean, they – they obviously showed that they could do it. I mean, they they took Texas to the cleaners. They did some really good things. 
I could see it. I could see Oklahoma State doing it. I mean, Tennessee, if if they play anything like they have recently, they could definitely uh, they could definitely beat Tennessee. So I could see Sweet Sixteen, maybe even more. Yeah, sure. Cade Cunningham. It's and it's also the rest of the team. You know, Anderson and Boone and and Likely and all those guys. They're they're legit. I know you mentioned Illinois is kind of the vulnerable one seed. That one, to me, if they're the vulnerable one seed, I mean, this this bracket could be chaos, right? Yeah, I mean, it could. I think it's the toughest bracket you have. I mean, you know, Houston's really good. San Diego State's really good. Loyola's really good. Um, you know, West Virginia's good. Oklahoma State's good. I mean, this is a really tough bracket. I I, I – this is the, the bracket that I haven't necessarily finished yet. I think Houston's kind of down there just hanging out. I think San Diego State's elite, you know, defensively, they're really good. And this year they can shoot, which, you know, they haven't necessarily had over the years, you know, the ability to shoot the basketball. So, um, yeah, th- this is a really tough bracket. How about Syracuse? It seems like every single year that they're this 11 seed, they just go on a run. Is it even possible? Because a couple of weeks ago, we thought maybe they weren't even going to make the tournament. I mean, it's possible. I don't think it'll happen. I think San Diego State's a bad matchup for them. Yeah, obviously, we know they run a zone. Um, the key to beating a zone is making shots. And San Diego State shoots at 38%. I mean, they're just really good. And they play a, – a, a, they're, they're kind of – they play that same pack line that, like, Virginia plays – this year, though, San Diego State metric-wise has been better defensively, I think, than Virginia. So, you know, San Diego State is legit, man. I mean, they have some good depth. Mens is really good in the, the on the block, and you know, Matt Mitchell's a veteran. So, yeah, I, I think um, I think Syracuse will be, uh, uh, you know, they won't even be a one and done. They'll be first 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 day out. I just keep staring at that Loyola Chicago. <laughs> well, that's I just, my team. I just keep looking at them. Two that's years my- ago, they didn't be well. If, if they, and I'm going to tell you right now, if they get to the final four, I will be basketball royalty forever on Twitter. <laughs> forever. Because I've been carrying the torch for this team all year. Go back and read the blog I wrote when I was at Barstow. I picked every conference, and I talked about Loyola then. I, I, I have a little future. I think I bet $20 on it. 74 to 1, they, they get to the final four. And then I'm at 300 to one to win the entire thing. So I'll be royalty. Not that I might not already be royalty, but. Is there going to be, be an appearance from sister Jean? <laughs> Is that confirmed? I heard she's trying to go to the, to, to the games. I, 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 I would think she's vaccinated. She's like 130. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I like sister Jean. I mean, I'm a Catholic, so, yeah. you know, it, it, you know, Catholic university. It's cool. I think it's awesome. Yeah, I actually was at the Final Four that they were at, and I was in San Antonio, and I, I had like I wanted to try to meet her, like find her and meet her, because I I think she kind of reminds me of my own grandma, you know, um, but I couldn't find her. Tough to find her. She's the only one with like white hair in the whole building. <laughs> easier, but yeah, she's kicking, man. You know, if I could live the half the life she did, I'd be happy with that. Carl, what do you got on this bracket? Um, yeah, I, I'm very wary of Illinois. Like they're really hot right now. I've been playing really well, but they have some very real turnover issues. Um, and we've said like, this is it with Illinois for like about four different times this season. And it, it hasn't been it. Um, so 
yeah, I mean, them having to face, I was wondering which one seed was going to have to face Loyola Chicago in their second game. And it's, it's too bad that it had to be them. Um, yeah, this is just a very, this is a, this is a weird region because I'm not, I'm, I'm honestly not super high on Houston. Um, I mean, maybe that's just my power five bias if I have any, um, that Clemson Rutgers game is just confusing. Cause I think they're both terrible. Uh, West Virginia's good. Like Culver and McBride can get them pretty far, but I mean, Huggy bear really hasn't done much tournament. I mean, he's usually like a, a threat in the tournament, but as far as like final four, I mean, we'll see. Um, yeah, this is, this is also for me, just kind of the region where I'm not quite sure if I trust anybody at all. Um, yeah. So, I mean, if you're looking for a chaos region, this is the chaos region. Before I let you guys go, I need a final four pick from everybody. All right. Um, I'll go Gonzaga, Texas, San Diego State, and uh, Purdue. We didn't talk about Texas. Why do you like Texas? Uh, you know, I, I just think, um, you know, they they just have it, man, to me. You know, I think their guard play is it's just really experienced. I mean, Coleman and, and Ramey and, and, and Andrew Jones, I mean, they're just – I think they're fantastic. I, I think they're, you're hard-pressed to find a better group of guards from a complete standpoint than them. Um, you know, from a big standpoint, they're bouncy as hell. I mean, Greg Brown, I think Kai Jones might be the the best big on this team. Sims and 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 all these guys, they're, they're deep too. They can shoot. You know, they're great defensively. Um, they're another team that does have some turnover problems they need to figure out a little bit. But um, they're, I think, when they step on the court, you'd be hard pressed to find a team that's more athletically gifted than they are. They're just a joy to watch because. You're just way bigger and more physical and more athletic than everyone else. Um, so we're sort of waiting for that shock of smart team at Texas too, right? To make yeah, that run. We, we surely are. Um, you know, I think when I talked about it at the beginning of the season, my, my knock on them was, you know, I love Texas, but Chaka smart is their coach. It's like, you know, it's like having a, a beautiful Ferrari and, and, you know, you don't put gas in it, you know, it's, it's great and it might run a little, but you know, I don't want him. I don't want him. I don't want, you know, that running, the, you know, the, that's going to have to run the car and I don't necessarily want it. I, it's just a, that might've been a bad inference, but I, I don't like Chaka smart. Uh, we'll see if he can do it. He finally won the big 12. So maybe he's starting to find it himself. Carl, what do you got? Yeah, I'm taking uh, I'm taking the Zags. I'm also actually taking Texas and then I'll go with, breakdown um i'll take i'll go baylor and west virginia that's what i'll go with producer alex you get some airtime what do you got well i wanted to say this to jeff first because we were talking about oklahoma state so did you agree with them being a four seed i know in those matchups with west virginia and last week they beat them and obviously the game back in january was postponed so you couldn't really get the deciding game because they lost the month before that but do you think maybe Oklahoma State could have been that three seed? West Virginia could have been that four? Obviously, it doesn't really matter that much. But looking just looking in terms of this region and, and 
the, how the bracket's set up, I really could have thought Oklahoma State could have been the three seed there instead of West Virginia. Yeah, I, I actually think, you know, I think ultimately it's good that they are. The, I think their draw is just better than the three seed. Like, I think Moorhead State's really legit. I, I think Moorhead could beat West Virginia. Um, I hear you, though. I, I think I think Oklahoma State obviously finished a lot better. And, you know, they ultimately in, in straight up games beat West Virginia, you know, two out of the three times. So, yeah, I, I, I think I think I agree with you there. I think ultimately it worked out, though, because, you know, they have a better draw, I think, to me. Yeah, because I had in my final four the same as you guys, you know, Zags in Texas. And then, you know, when I made it, you know, this time yesterday, I was ready to put West Virginia. And then now I'm like, I'm not saying I want to see Oklahoma State there because I don't really think they'll get there. But right, I don't, I'm don't. i obviously talking down on West Virginia right now. So, like, do I have to put Houston in, in that situation? They are a good tournament team. But like Carl, you were saying earlier, not super high on them either. So, like, I guess I'll stick with Houston because they're a good tournament team. But, like, I don't want to throw West Virginia in that spot there at the fourth. But I do have Baylor in that as well. My other question to you, uh, obviously we look at this this whole bracket, and it's a lot of heavy ones, right? So you have, you know, the, your guys like Baylor and Zags. And I feel like in past years it's been, a, like, a lot different. We're so heavy on the ones. Do you really think this year is – different in that sense where it's like our one and two guys are our dogs and those are going to be the ones that are just going to carry their way through the tournament and you yeah, see that in the I, final four i know in my case i'm not high on one seeds i mean outside of gonzaga i don't have a one seed in the final four i i have you know i went the other way i think the one seeds I and mean, they're good i don't they're nothing special i especially michigan and, and illinois i i don't think they're anything they're good they're not they're not like elite teams that we've never seen I, I think this is going to be a haywire year. I, I think, you know, some of the mid mid seeds like a Purdue or a, a San Diego State or a Virginia or a Texas Tech or a Texas, that, you know, there are the teams that that I want kind of in my arsenal. Alabama, you know, groups like that. Um, Gonzaga is going to be up in their own little party, but you know, everyone else I think is vulnerable. So, yeah, I for one am not that high on the other one seeds outside of Gonzaga. Um, I think it's going to be a haywire year, and that's kind of what it always is. I'm, I haven't filled my bracket out, but I'm going to go with Gonzaga, Texas, Baylor, and Loyola. I hope you're right. <laughs> I would, I would, I would be so happy if Loyola got there. I, I think it's going to be too close and it's tough, but um, yeah, I would love that. All right, producer Alex, you got anything else to add? I know you you've been sitting there for a while. I just want to say the other thing we were talking about. Uh, go ahead. We're talking about. Michigan and obviously they're very vulnerable. They got I think when we were talking about Illinois at the beginning, I thought you were actually gonna go down on the Michigan path there and say that they were, you know, your your high guys all that you're high on that are gonna go out first, be that number one seed to go out first. I do wanna say we were talking about the coaches earlier too, you know, thinking about Juwan Howard, getting them there, leading them there to their number one seed for the first time since ninety three when he was with the Fab Five there. So I thought that was really cool to see them back there. Obviously, it doesn't really mean that much because they are they, vulnerable, but they shouldn't be where they are this year. Okay, they were supposed to be maybe a tournament team. This was kind of that down year because they had the number one class coming in next year. And listen, Michigan always seems to come out on the end. And it won't surprise me if if Livers is back for that like Bonaventure LSU game, the winner of that game. Like it wouldn't surprise me if he somehow comes back like Sunday or Monday. You know, like. He probably won't, but they always have good luck a lot of the time. So I always am tending to, to believe that. But, 
yeah, I, I, Michigan will be fine. You know, they'll be good next year and the year after that. And Jawan's done a great job. I actually didn't know what you just – I didn't know that. Yeah, so, so the first time since 93 when that they were number one seed in the tournament. He was he was a sophomore back then. If it was yep. the Fab Fives, they're just now look at cool him. stuff there. He had a long career in the NBA, and now he's he won titles. And now look at him. Yep. He's another guy I would love to play for if I'm a young kid. So, yeah, he's, they've done a great job there. All right, that's Jeff Nadu. Make sure to follow him on Twitter. It is Jeff Nadu, exactly how it sounds. Uh, do you have anything else for us? Do you want to tell people maybe sort of what you're doing and what you're planning for? for yeah, you know, I, uh, I, I'm just doing a lot of college basketball stuff right now. Uh, this is probably – I can't even think about how many shows I've done today. This might be like the fifth show, I mean, between radio and my own show that I'm doing and just – clubhouse and i've talked about this bracket so much over the last <laughs> 24 hours uh and i got much more to do so uh i appreciate having me on always appreciate uh you uh all you guys you know trey and carl and and all you guys you're you're helpful even you know kriegs and and all you guys so uh, maybe we'll work together down the road you never know uh thanks for having me on i appreciate it Thanks, Jeff. And uh, I know you're busy, guys, so we appreciate having you on. Uh, That is producer Alex in the corner all day, AJ27, Carl Heiser17, myself, Trey Dalbert. Thank you guys for watching. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube, and we will see you next time.